When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Brenton on Tour podcast is powered by my friends at Blue Microphones. They also power the Journey for Java, which in essence is the Brenton on Tour podcast. Confused yet? Only an asshole would make it that confusing. And you're still listening. And we're talking about coffee snobs and assholes on this episode, which is powered by Blue Microphones. From live streams and YouTube videos to podcasts and music recordings, Blue can help you achieve your ultimate goal, which is to be heard. Trusted by content creators around the world, Blue Microphones are an essential piece of any streaming setup. Blue Microphones capture broadcast quality audio, helping you connect with your audience and helping you build a successful stream. Say goodbye to bad audio with professional sounding content powered by Blue. It is Coffee Snobs and Assholes Part 1. You're going to find yourself at the end of this asking yourself, which one are you? Hopefully we answer that question for you. It's the Brenton on Tour, Journey for Java. Here we go. Well, he's not quite a coffee asshole, but he's still an asshole about coffee. I knew it. I'm surrounded by assholes. This is the Journey for Java podcast, a show about coffee for people who enjoy coffee and like listening to stories about people, places, and things involving coffee. Seriously, only an asshole would make it this complicated. It's the Journey for Java podcast. You want some coffee? Yeah. Make it a fresh pot. A Britain on Tour podcast show. Fresh pot! About what else? Coffee. Coffee is the number one drink in the world. Everybody drinks it, even little kids in Mexico drink coffee. Well, I'm not a little kid in Mexico, okay? Here's BD. Welcome everybody to the Brenton on Tour Journey for Java podcast. I am back in coffee. As we mentioned, we're a couple weeks in, a lot of requests uh, to come back to coffee. So um, uh, I'm just adding more people to the mix, more people to the show, more coffee, everything. Um, and uh, came across uh, some coffee snobs. A bunch of them. Uh, I'm a coffee asshole. Darren, I'm not too sure what, what you consider yourself a snob or an asshole. We got the Coffee Snobs podcast from North Carolina, and we got Vancouver Coffee Snob Tom uh, here as well, uh, as well as, uh, uh, you know, just a conglomerate of snobs and assholes. So why don't you introduce yourself and tell us which one you are, a snob or an asshole? Go ahead, uh, North Carolina. Yeah. So, uh, my name is Aaron Beaver. I'm, uh, a coffee snob for sure. Uh, home barista, uh, never worked in a shop, but love coffee and spend way too much money on coffee. So that would be why I would classify myself as a snob. Yeah. My name's Tyler. Um, I'm a coffee snob for sure. And you might just say coffee snobs, a nice word for an asshole because, (laughs) oh, I'm a snob. That's just a nice way of saying you're an asshole, but, uh, just a home barista enthusiast and uh, Aaron and I have been doing the coffee snobs podcast for over a year now. It's a year, been, year yeah. and a half. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. So we, we've definitely enjoyed it and thanks for having us on. Yeah. Awesome, man. Welcome to the show, Tom. Yeah. My name's Tom. I'm also known as Vancouver coffee snob. I'm a, I'm a blogger um, and 
a little bit of this, a little bit of that in the coffee world. Never been a barista. Uh, I, I, I have the name, the coffee snob, but I'm pretty much the opposite of that. I'm, I'm a pretty much, you know, any, any coffee drink that you're drinking is good with me kind of person. I am, however, uh, a, an asshole. Um, <laughs> or a, I'm English, so we say asshole. Um, asshole, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm, that's kind of my primary angle, really, is I'm kind of known for not pulling any punches when it comes to reviews and, uh, and talking about coffee shops, which, which, by the way, I'm grossly underqualified to actually be doing in the first <laughs> place. So it's a bit of a train wreck, if you ask me. This thing started by me just traveling around the world looking for the best coffee that tasted good to me on my journey that only started in 2016 <laughs> to coffee. So I'm not qualified for any of this shit, but I just like talking to people. So there we go. Darren. Yeah, no, uh, it's funny because you and I, Brent, have been friends for a long time, 10 years or more, I would say. Um, and you started talking a lot about coffee. And I thought that's really weird because I just took this big turn in coffee about a year prior to you. Uh, I, I went downtown Vancouver, and um, I know that uh, Tom will know uh, Eldrick. Uh, and Eldrick made me a cup of coffee, and I'd never had anything like it. And to this day, I've never gone back to a Starbucks or uh, Tim Hortons here in Canada. I won't do it. I guess it would be a snob. I mean, a lot of people will actually call me an asshole. I don't know if it really it necessarily involves coffee, per se, but... Uh, <laughs> But the asshole side comes kind of like with Tom and his reviews. It's kind of how I've gone about my radio career as well. I don't really pull any punches and I'll take chances and I'll say stuff that I know will piss people off. Uh, with coffee, I just won't drink it if it's not good. Uh, I just won't do it anymore. And I know it frustrates people. I, I had a birthday quickly. I don't want to take up too much off the intro, but I had a birthday, uh, my 50th birthday, I guess it was, so a year or so back. And the person that arranged the birthday party told all my friends, well, he's really into coffee now. So if you want to get him something, just get him a really nice bag of coffee beans. So I had 50 bags of coffee beans and not one of them. I mean, never one of them was from a bloody grocery store. Yeah. Not, there was not one roasted on date. Within yeah. the, and I, did, I, I felt so bad. Some of these are my friends since kindergarten. Yeah. And I had to dump it or give it away. or I, Like it was just, it was a complete waste. So. So I don't know if that makes me a snob or an asshole. I think, uh, I think we're all on the same page, really. It looks like we're all vastly underqualified to have an opinion, but yeah, we all, should, I have but we all should have one. Hey, but we've got the microphone, so it doesn't right. matter, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, here we are. Uh, we're going to title this. We're going to do this over two episodes. We're going to call it, uh, uh, you know, uh, we're going to call it snobs and assholes. So it just fits the mold. Here we go. Um, so what I wanted to get into is I want to, the big process with the journey for Java that I wanted to set out for is the same with the Brenton on tour coffee cast that I started out for uh, that Darren was a big help on is dumbing down coffee, dumbing down coffee. People, I don't understand. And, and I, I, I guess I liken it to craft beer. So people with craft beer that, you know, th th that community just yep. speaks to each other. You know what I mean? They speak to each yep. other in a way that people that don't understand it, want to know and the same with coffee i find coffee is very supportive i find that you know uh they everyone's always into sharing and, and doing the rest of it so um going around the horn i'll just keep going around the horn everyone can kind of do their thing let's go to tom for a minute so tom let's how did how did your app or it's not well the app obviously is one thing but um you know you got a heavy instagram presence and just how did it kind of come together for you uh, at the beginning here um, pretty much out of boredom if the kind of, I guess the question is like, you know, what did I start it and, and so on? Um, yeah, it, it came together out of boredom. Uh, I, I was living in Whistler for a while and there's a million things to do every day there. And I moved back to Vancouver and, um, you know, it's miserable and rainy and, uh, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't much on my agenda. And so 
I liked coffee. I so I had had this kind of experience in Australia where I, I had this this latte that absolutely blew my mind. I didn't know it could taste like that. And then I started finding, you know, the coffee shops in town and um, no one else was really doing a blog and I'm a tech, that's my background. And I thought, ah, might as well. Can I swear on this, by the way, this podcast? Yes, absolutely. Cool. I swear a lot. I was like, fuck it. Might as well start a podcast. Uh, sorry, uh, a blog. And um, yeah, and I, I just started going to coffee shops, reviewing them. Um, it got a little bit bored of it. And then started writing in my own language and my own kind of speaking style rather than these kind of boring functional reviews. And, um, and then the, I hit this nerve in Vancouver and, and all these kind of coffee lovers came out of nowhere and they just didn't see, they didn't seem to be around. And then all of a sudden we've got this, like, you know, this successful coffee blog and all these coffee shops popping up, not that the two are related, but yeah, it just makes my job easier. Yeah. And uh, Darren, you're, I mean, Vancouver and I'm only here, 15 years, 16 years. I mean, the Vancouver scene, as long as you've been here, what's it been like overall? And then we'll get to North Carolina because it's, I've heard it's very healthy down there, especially Asheville. Yeah, well, when I kind of discovered coffee, like I was just explaining to you there uh, a few, really just a few years ago now, I guess, um, I didn't, I guess the scene already existed. I'd been somewhat unaware of it. At that time, I was uh, on the hunt for what I thought was, at the time, was my favorite coffee in the world. I had it in New Orleans, uh, Cafe de Le Monde, uh, their, uh, their chicory coffee or whatever it is. And I love that stuff when I went to New Orleans. And to buy it online is expensive. Somebody told me that TNT supermarket sells it. So I went and bought like seven jugs of the seven big tins of this stuff thinking I had it made. And then I went down to Gastown and, uh, and Eldrick who now runs uh Harkin coffee in Vancouver in Japantown. Uh, but he had a little shop. He made me this cup of coffee. I think it was a geisha and even just watching nice. him prepare it. I think he, I'm trying to think now it wasn't a pour over. It may have been an AeroPress. Yeah, I know it took him probably. like six, seven minutes to do it. And he had all this antique glass and little scales. He's weighing this out. He's got thermometers. I'm like, what the hell is this? I've never seen anybody make coffee like this. And I like, I like antiques and I like uh, anything mechanical. And, and so just with the process of watching him do, he grounded a certain way. He would, take one or two beans out of off the scale because it was just a little bit too much. I was fascinated by it. And then of course, when I tasted the coffee, it changed my world. But, uh, but it seemed to me that this was a scene that existed before I discovered it. I, I really couldn't tell you, maybe Tom could speak to, to, to how long it's been going. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, just, just to touch on the Eldrick thing, uh, you, you, the mistake you made there was you basically went to the, the I don't know, the Michelin star of, of coffee shops. Oh, you're not <laughs> kidding. Yeah. It was like starting with Paul McCartney. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so the coffee scene in Vancouver has been, I mean, it's been around in, in one way or another for, for quite a while. Obviously, if you, if you trace it back far enough, you've got like monsters like Artigiano who were... The, so the, the, the guys that run 49th Parallel and Prado two separate um, people, but uh, they, they're brothers. So they started Artigiano way, way back. Um, so we're probably talking, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago when this, this started to, to kind of show its head. Um, and you've also got like m people who are still around. Um, so those guys don't own Artigiano anymore, but you've got like, people like Kafka's. Um, he's got three coffee shops around town. His one on Main has been there for an easy decade. And, and if I remember correctly, they haven't really ever closed their doors. They're open every single day of the year. And they were doing pour overs 10 years ago before anybody was doing pour overs. So in, in a kind of a small way, the coffee scene has been really raring to go. But it seems to be over like the last, 
I would guess sort of six, seven years is where it's really picked up steam. And you've seen world-class coffee shops open like, like Nemesis. Uh, Revolver has a, a, a brand that's known pretty much in all the, the coffee snob hubs around the world. Um, then you've got the, the massive kind of behemoths that are 49th parallel. Yeah, they've only got three coffee shops, but there you'll find their coffee in England, all over Europe, all over the My States, guess in Australia. Week. Yeah, my guest last week, or a couple of weeks ago, Jeremy Gersey, um, the Mocha Joe, original Mocha Joe there uh, with Jay Gersey Coffee. When I asked him his favorite coffee, and he's like, oh, one, one of them is for sure a 49th Parallel, which was, uh, you know, around the world. And same with um, uh, when I'm in Europe and stuff, all, all the, my Brit friends are like, oh, Vancouver, got to go to Revolver. Is there something like that in North Carolina, fellas? Like, um, how's that scene down there for coffee? Because up in Canada... For a long time, it's been at least in where I'm from in Ontario and stuff. It's drive-through coffee, Tim Hortons, all that stuff. Yeah, so sure. the idea of walking into a shop and waiting seven minutes or something blows people's minds sometimes. So what's it like down there right now? Well, it's funny listening to you guys. I think North Carolina has shared the same timeline. Counterculture coffee roasters are based out of Durham and the Research Triangle area, and probably about a decade ago is when they really took off and now they're I think they're in Paris and uh, Los Angeles all across you know the country so they started off the scene in Raleigh Asheville is a really you know progressive town they've got a big culinary uh, area and then we're a lot closer to Charlotte so yeah the coffee scene really you you had Starbucks. I know you know Hortons was started in '64 and Starbucks started in '71. I think is what it was. And so, like those kind of paved the way. As much as I hate Starbucks and and think they brew garbage, they did pave a way for a lot of these shops to come up. And you know, uh, but I will say for our area, very few shops did pour overs or and even now like. It's just not a money making process. So you know the the ability to turn out drinks very fast for a pour over. Yeah, you can get really good quality, but unfortunately, most of the consumers of coffee in our area yeah. still drink garbage because that's like it's easy. We're, we're a hard to think about it. But it's also exactly. what they get used to as well. They get used exactly. to, I, I feel that anyways, you know, and I've tried to still, well, this is really fantastic coffee, but you'll still go to Starbucks. Right. I don't yeah. quite get it, but it has to be just that brand recognition and it's comfortable. There's a million locations that doesn't hurt. Yeah. No, you can it, also it, find one. So like no matter where you go on a chain, like I had, there was nothing open around me right now. I had to go, you know, I was mm-hmm. dying for one. So I stopped at one. You have to find something that you, you can default to. Uh, if nothing else is open and that's the only thing open, you can count on a pike or you yeah. can count on, on something no, I, and go, okay, fine. I can, I'll deal with the pike. There's something to the repetition. And as much as we hate it and as much as we bash it on the coffee snobs and we try to tell people, Hey, get fresh beans, find the roasted by date. Like if that's all you're looking for, at least somebody, like if you start with a garbage bean, if, you, if it started over roasted, you're not going to bring it back. It didn't matter what process you put it under. <laughs> yeah. It's crap. Okay. It's going to turn into crap. But like you guys said, I mean, this massive ability to drive from North Carolina to California and be able to order the same drink, like that's, you know, that that is a lot of comfort. <clears throat> and so 
Uh, we try to tell people, you know, life's too short to drink bad coffee mm. and quit drinking these K cups and, you know, a bunch of other crap. And, uh, but the coffee scene in America is they, we've got some extremely good coffee roasters. Onyx, they do a lot of crazy stuff. Um, you know, hundred dollars for four ounces of beans, just some crazy, uh, st- stuff. We've got black and white roasters in Raleigh, um, that, uh, two, uh, world barista champions, I think started it. And the science behind their roasting process is on another level. And so we, we do have some good beans and, um, yeah, we, we enjoy our coffee though. I'm actually a big fan of black and white roasters. Um, I've had a bunch of their, typically when we get stuff from, you know, that far uh, away, it's the weird stuff that ends up turning up here. And so I've had some like, you know, uh, anabolic fermented, yeah. um, yeah. natural processed, this, that, and the other funky stuff where you're like, oh, okay, that tastes a bit yeah. like whiskey or yeah. you know, apples or blueberries or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it, Liam is a super nice guy out in Raleigh. There's like, it, it's wild when counterculture came, it brought a lot of that like, um, uppity coffee game to the Raleigh area. And so now you've got some beautifully, uh, beautiful coffee shops. I think heirloom coffee shop, just gorgeous equipment and, um, like a very Japanese, uh, style with, uh, these massive uh, espresso machines with the sides that are open, see-through. It just some gorgeous um, shops in the in the Raleigh area, but it definitely lends to the more uppity lifestyle. Definitely over there, and, and our Charlotte area is is booming too. We've got a lot of good roasters here. I see you got a a, a grinder back there behind you. So nice. I want to take this to gear for a minute. Um, I got a, a bunch of different questions and I want to take it in sort of a snob answer and then a regular answer. So there's like, all right, the snob would answer like this, but you can probably get away with this and we'll go around the horn on it on gear because I think we're all probably working with different gear. Not everyone listening to this can afford any gear. Right. I, I'm actually taking a lot of questions from people like, what do you recommend about this and recommend about that? People are actually going, I've only got a hundred dollars. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Like, right. And, and mm-hmm. kind of, you know, I have to research it a bit, but then I go to um, gearheads and then go, I like going to regular uh, people that, you know, just make it work. Yeah. As we all say. So let's go around the horn here for a minute. I want to talk about gear. So the coffee snob answer as to what is absolutely a must have for gear. And then it'll be the coffee snob answer versus like, or what you should or what you can get away with. And what, this is your opinion. So let's start with Darren. A good grinder, in my opinion, a good grinder. You can, you can spend a lot of money. I have a Baratza that was, you know, it's kind of the entry level, but it was still a couple hundred bucks, I think. Uh, it's great. But uh, before that, I had a hand grinder uh, and it worked. It was, uh, you know, I actually enjoyed the process, but it was a bit of work, obviously, because you're doing it by hand, but you can grind the beans really, really nice for under $100. You'll have, a, a you know, uh, you'll have a good hand grinder. I would suggest that would be a good way to start. If you can do pour overs, you can't go wrong with a Chemex because they're not super expensive. They look really cool and uh, and they do the trick. And if you don't knock them over, like I keep, I go through <laughs> every couple of months, they, they break really easy. Uh, Very easy. I have all the broken ones still. For some reason, I just can't bring myself to chuck away. <laughs> like old cars. Brand new leather and the little wood <laughs> on there. But uh, but I think if you had a, a good grinder and, um, and uh, some way of doing a, a pour over, Chemex, in my opinion, is a good way to go. Uh, 
you'll be happy with coffee. You'll get addicted and buy other shit pretty soon. But but if you had the money, let's just say you got an unlimited budget, where are you going? Mm. Well, to be honest, I would still do pour overs and AeroPress yeah. anyway, so I don't really know what else. I would just there buy, like I was saying before, I liked watching Eldrick when he had the antique leaded glass and all the different skate. I would do something cool like that, just collect some really neat gear to make it with um other than that maybe a different pour over i don't know i like the chemex sure. but there's some really cool looking ones i wouldn't mind a better kettle because my uh my gooseneck kettle the handle broke on it so i'm holding it by the just the top and the bottom and doing it so it's a bit of a pain because it's it's made out of metal so it's super hot to touch it yeah. so Man, uh you burn the crap out of you <laughs> oh i will if you yeah you have to you'll just use the cork on the top lid and then the bottom of it's plastic because it's an electric kettle right and oh so yeah. I'm, so I'm just tipping it like that. So I'm kind of used to that. So yeah, <laughs> Tom, I need a, I need Tom a better had kettle. Snobby awards, Tom. You had the snobby awards on some stuff. Uh, let's talk about your opinions here, buddy. Uh, snob gear versus regular gear. Go ahead. Uh, well, my my first question would be, what's your budget? <laughs> well, I, people always <laughs> there's always snob like, there's, a, there's a hundred. I think people are now are are willing. It seems like they're going to like at least two hundred fifty bucks. But okay. your average person that's doesn't know anything that's doing just drip like Folgers, you know, probably looking to spend 60 bucks. So let's, I always like going, what are options under a hundred, under 500 and 500 above? So if we, if we stick with, um, with filter coffee, then we won't get into the, the magical world of espresso, which. Oh, I'm happy to, because I'm I'm trying to school people here. So go for it. (laughs) Okay. Well, I mean, if we go espresso, then I wouldn't really spend anything. Sky's the limit. Yeah, um, five hundred bucks probably wouldn't even get you anything that that that's that good. No, don't even look in an espresso machine if you've all you got is five hundred bucks. Like, mm. don't even. That being said, um, there's this thing called the um, what's it called, the Barista Express by Breville, Breville and yeah. um, it's it's possible. I had that as my first espresso machine, and I I could do latte art with it, and it took a long time to learn, and it was never very repeatable. But honestly, as, as for what you get, which is a grinder built into it and a, and a you know half decent limping along espresso machine, for the price tag, you, you can't really go wrong. However, um, you're gonna you're gonna get that's gonna kind of be obsolete very very quickly for you as soon as you learn that there is a lot better out there. Um, my, my my home espresso setup is probably three and a half thousand bucks worth of gear up there. So you know that's not even that much money. Um, but but. I suppose to answer your question, then for for lowdown, let's talk for for espresso. Don't even bother. Don't don't you know? Start your budget at six seven hundred bucks. But for filter coffee, literally all you need is a kettle, and it doesn't even have to be an electric one. You just put it on your stove. You can buy something for ten or fifteen bucks off of Amazon with a gooseneck on it. Um, then a plastic V sixty will cost you, I don't know, ten bucks if if that maybe. Mm. Um, where I would put all my money is a grinder. It, it just there's 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 only so much money you can spend on pour over gear and, and get a kind of a better result. So I would take as much money as I could possibly find, and I would buy the best hand grinder if I was going low budget. So I would uh, you know spend a hundred bucks on a grinder for for example, um, and then going above that, uh, you can get into the electrical grinder world. So you can do something like a, a Barazza Encore for a couple of hundred bucks. Um, all the way up to an EK43, which is my, my dream home grinder, which I will own <laughs> at some point, which is about five grand. So, <laughs> yeah. There we go. Gentlemen, North Carolina, what are you saying? Go ahead, Tyler. It's funny. I think we share a lot of the same sentiments. Um, I would say I started off with a hand grinder. I think I actually got it off of a Kickstarter. 
loved it. But as soon as I started making my coffee every day, I was like, this sucks. I got to get an electric grinder. So I think Aaron has got back here. It's a Breville grinder. And I also um, have a Breville machine currently for espresso. I like to equate Breville's as like a Honda or Toyota. Um, you know, they're not a BMW or a luxury car, but they get you where they're going. They're a good value. So um, it's a good starting point. Let's say that. Just like you said, a good starting point. Um, one other cheap thing that we always recommend to newcomers is a scale because some people don't even have a kitchen scale. So 10, 20 bucks, get you a scale that measures in grams, has a timer on it for your manual brew pour overs. Um, like you said, uh, a Chemex or a Kalita or some kind of V60 setup. It's just like an entry point. Yeah. Uh, manual brew. I, I had, uh, I think I've had three or four espresso machines now and uh, sold them all. And I'm only manual brew and only black coffee, uh, no milk. And the reason why I did it is because there just comes a level of price point that you'll realize very quickly when you make that first investment, like, like you said, uh, it's inconsistent. And so I had what I think is probably the best entry level, uh, right above consumer, maybe prosumer, which is the Gaza classic pro it's got a good wand on it. It, it takes some knowledge, so it's not a full automatic machine. You have to start and stop the extraction. Uh, I've had an open bottom portafilter, so you could see fracking and stuff like that. But definitely invest money in grinder. And if you're starting, like if this is people in your education level, just go manual brew and get a good grinder, spend your money on your beans, spend your money on your grinder and get a scale. And uh, but all the COVID it, budget, yeah. Someone and coming it, into coffee for the first time, it's exactly. Uh, it's be- and and if I had the money to spend, not that this is expensive, but I would get a siphon set up. I just I love siphon coffee. They're fun, yeah, and they look cool. Yeah, yeah. I disagree on there. <laughs> Absolute hard disagree. I have a siphon, and you don't like we, it. We moved. I don't know a year ago, and actually, it probably hadn't been open since the previous move before then. Siphon coffee. I'm I'm convinced is a wind up created just to tease me because everyone else seems to love it and do it really, really well. And every, I think I've made out of like, maybe I've done it like a hundred times and I've had one good cup out of it oh. and it's a nightmare to clean up. Yet everyone seems to be like totally obsessed with it, except for me. I can't work out why that is. I think they look cool. It's a neat process. Oh, yeah. to watch. But to me, really, I mean, I, I've, I, I know the one I was using, I wish I could remember the name of it now. It was a fairly basic one. Um, but uh, the thing I, I noticed was essentially all it is is a reverse pour over. A manual, like it just, because it sucks the water up and then the water comes. It, it's very similar to a pour over at the end of the day. So as far as the process and the water going through it, I didn't, I, I find the pour over taste better at the end of the day too. Yeah, you've got the heat. There's a lot of stuff that's happening chemically on a whole chemical level because the water is normally hotter than what you would brew. You would actually Fair extract enough. coffee with right, true. Uh, the extraction process. There's a lot that comes with it. I will say the reason why I say that is I think the siphon, in my opinion, is the most forgiving. It's like the French press where you could take a mediocre bean and you potentially could make it, I'm not going to even say make it better because you can't do that, but you could have something that you would drink 
Because we, we did a thing where we bought crap coffee and we did all these different brew methods to try to figure out how could I right. take a crappy bean and get something that I would like out of it. We realized you can't, but <laughs> if you had to, uh, the French press would be the method. It's amazing how many people try though. And they, it's amazing how many people try. This is great. Anyways, they just put double cream and sugar in it and call it a win. Um, I'm working with an AeroPress at home. I've been working with one for a long time. Just, I just love it. Love it. Love it. Um, discovered that in Oslo, uh, Tim Wendelbow. And that was a great experience for me. They have a full, I don't know if you guys have ever been over there, but they got a full AeroPress cafe. The water perfect. It's, uh, it's great. Um, are you now, inverted brew? They do inverted and they do inverted, they do inverted and, and, and regular as well. So it's very interesting. And then I, and with traveling with the amount of travel I did with my job before the world exploded, um, I, I, I got a, um, uh, a company called lever, like Hugh Inc. Uh, they, yeah. had, they had one called lever Presso and they, they sponsored the first coffee cast and they sent me a bunch and I tried it out for espresso on the go. When I'm in an office, I've got a kettle beside me and I've got a grinder hand, you know, like I got a grinder, I can actually yep. bang out, you know, a, a, a double shot espresso pretty, and it's pretty great. So for convenience, I'm all in for, you know, I'm actually, the fact that they were given to me is a great bonus, but I'm all in for under 150 bucks on everything, which is great. I am actually going to, my next attempt here is to up my home game. And that's where, where I'm like, whoa, and I'm getting tons of like, you know, the, the Breville, as you were saying, um, that high end, the higher end Breville. I mean, there's the one that you're talking about, Tom, is like around six ninety nine. I think to come in at the next one up, which I believe is fully automatic. Um, I think the Breville that you were talking about, the Express is semi. So mm-hmm. the other one is super. And I think it's like 1400 bucks. So anyways, but if you're going to spend that money, then you're going to get into, you know, Gaja and all the rest of it. So yeah. I'm actually excited about where this is going to go for me. Cause I don't know where just yet, but I'm going to try and, and, and up my home game a lot. Um, gentlemen, uh, let's go back around here for a minute. The definition of a coffee snob and are they important to culture? Go ahead, North Carolina. I'm going to say yes, because I have to, like we build a whole <laughs> podcast around the word <laughs> coffee snob. Right. Exactly. Um, I, I would say they definitely have their place because we've, kind of called out culture that to realize that you can have something better. So, um, you know, we definitely from the angle that we kind of come from is we want more people to realize that you can achieve a good beverage. Like it doesn't have to be freeze dried, like what you're like Folgers or, you know, Tim Hortons or Starbucks. It doesn't have to be that like you can find, good coffee uh but from the stance of what most people classify coffee snobs at i don't know if it's i think it has a negative connotation so when we coined it it's kind of tongue-in-cheek but i mean i would guess i would just define a coffee snob as someone who's a maybe a demanding consumer uh trying not to be too pretentious i guess someone who's tasted the good stuff and knows there's more to life than mediocre coffee. Tom, go ahead. Buddy. I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Um, the American snobs have the, uh, the, the right idea there. Um, <laughs> the, 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 like kind of the, the definition of that kind of um, really wanky, annoying coffee snob that turns his nose up at everything and treats you like an idiot. If you don't understand what, what you're talking about, there's absolutely no place for that kind of person. Um, 
that like nobody likes anyone in any realm like beer or wine that, that acts and behaves like that um what i think there is a uh, a space for certainly in vancouver anyway is someone who calls himself a coffee snob and acts the completely opposite way kind of trying to disarm that term coffee snob and what i do is i try and get people from starbucks into specialty coffee shops that's essentially my my mo there mm-hmm. um and I, and I do it in a way that hey I'll, I'll come across with snobby terms and i'll talk about the snobby things that people like but i'll also make stupid jokes and be really self-deprecating in it i, I just don't think there that there's any other way that i know how to do it anyway and it seems to be pretty successful educating is fun when you bring people from like i mean my i'm new to coffee i'm 2016 and my wife was like cream and sugar forever. And then I switched and then I went to black and brought her into black. And she's like, why did I do it any other way? And it's a funny little subtle thing. And she's just your casual coffee drinker. But as I started moving through the culture and realizing, man, if you just take the seven minutes and go into the store and get the pour over, it's going to change you. You'll never, you'll get Starbucks when you're out in the middle of nowhere and there's nothing else there. You'll, you'll satisfy. But I always make it a conscious effort Darren and I do this a lot um, when, when we can travel around a lot of going and trying to find coffee places as much as possible, just to support local. But uh, Tom, I love your point at the beginning where like coffee in general, as long as you're drinking it, go for it. So I love that attitude about it. I think it's important that people do it. Um, but I love it when we can, when the casual person like me, which I would consider myself in the, on the, the base level of coffee love, but can still educate someone. I think it's fun to do Darren. Yeah, no, I think the term snob, I mean, it's never cool when you try and elevate your own self by making somebody else feel stupid. I think Tom kind of touched on that. So the the word snob, I like how uh, Tom and as well, Aaron and Tyler, it is tongue in cheek in your cases. It's not, you know, my my best friend is a, is a wine snob and he has a special room that he built downstairs and the cooler in there cost him, I don't know, he's always telling me the price tag of it, which is really funny because I never told him the price tag of anything I've ever bought in my entire life. <laughs> so uh, if we can have wine snobs or cigar snobs or beer snobs or whiskey snobs, uh, hell yeah, there should be coffee snobs. Coffee won't, coffee won't get you in trouble when you go through a roadblock either, right? So it'll never hurt yeah. you. That's I right. spent uh, two hundred dollars on my first Oldsmobile, my first Le Mans from nineteen eighty, and I'm not afraid to tell anyone that story. So <laughs> I'm not afraid to share. We're sorry about that. Any of that stuff. Thanks, friends, for tuning into part one of the two-part series, Coffee Snobs and Assholes. I want to thank my guests, the Vancouver Coffee Snob, Darren Grieve, Danger on Air. That's where you can find him. The Coffee Snobs podcast from beautiful Carolina in the US of A hanging out. We are all talking coffee, all came together about coffee to tell a coffee story or two, maybe educate you just a little bit on some gear, maybe even uh, help you decide which category you fall into, coffee snob or coffee asshole. Have we learned anything about that yet? We're gonna find out. Next week, we're all back again. Yeah, we talked for a long time, so we had to break it up into two episodes. Make sure you follow them all online. Vancouver Coffee Snob on Instagram, Darren at Danger on Air. Coffee Snobs Podcast, wherever you get your fine pods. Uh, they'll all be back, as I mentioned. Uh, this whole episode, of course, powered by my friends at Blue Microphones. Make sure you like, share, get this thing out to as many people as we can so we can share coffee and ask the question are you a coffee snob 
or an asshole. I'm going to leave that with you until next week. You can tell me which one you are. Thanks, everybody. See you then. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca.